0: Section 1 of the Animal Storybook, edited by Andrew Lang. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Bishop. The Animal Storybook, edited by Andrew Lang. Tom, An Adventure in the Life of a Bear in Paris. From Alexandre Dumas. Some sixty years ago and more, a well-known artist named Camps lived in Paris. He was the intimate friend of some of the first authors, artists, and scientific men of the day, and was devotedly fond of animals of all sorts. He loved to paint them, and he kept quite a small menagerie in his studio where a bear, a monkey, a tortoise, and a frog lived, more or less, in peace and harmony together the bear's name was tom the monkey's name was jacko the first sidenote to distinguish him from jacko the second a monkey belonging to tony johannot the painter the frog was mademoiselle carmago and the tortoise gazelle here follows the story of tom the bear it was the night of shrove tuesday in the year eighteen thirty two tom had as of yet only spent six months in paris but he was really one of the most attractive bears you could wish to meet. He ran to open a door when the bell rang. He mounted guard for hours together, halberd in hand, standing on his hind legs, and he danced a minuet with infinite grace, holding a broomstick behind his head. He had spent the whole day in exercise of these varied accomplishments, to the great delight of the frequenters of his master's studio, and had just retired to the press which did duty as his hutch to seek a little repose when there was a knock at the front door jacko instantly showed such signs of joy that the camps made a shrewd guess that the visitor could be no other than fan the self-elected tutor in chief to the two animals nor was he mistaken the door opened fan appeared dressed as a clown and jacko flung himself in rapture into his arms "'Very good, very good,' said Fan, placing the monkey on the table and handing him a cane. "'You're a real charming creature. Carry arms. Present arms. Make ready. Fire. Capital. "'I'll have a complete uniform made for you, and you shall mount guard instead of me. "'But I haven't come for you tonight. It's your friend Tom I want. Where may he be?' "'Why, in his hutch, I suppose?' said the camps. "'Tom! Here! Tom!' cried Fan. "'Tom gave a low growl, just to show that he knew very well who they were talking of, "'but that he was in no hurry to show himself. "'Well!' exclaimed Fan, "'Is this how my orders are obeyed? "'Tom, my friend, don't force me to resort to extreme measures.' tom stretched one great paw beyond the cupboard without allowing any more of his person to be seen and began to yawn plaintively like a child just wakened from its first sleep where is the broomstick inquired fan in threatening tones and rattling the collection of indian bows arrows and spears which stood behind the door ready cried the camps pointing to tom who on hearing these well-known sounds had roused himself with more ado and advanced towards his tutor with a perfectly innocent and unconscious air that's right said fan now be a good fellow particularly as one has come all this way on purpose to fetch you tom waved his head up and down so so now shake hands with your friends first-rate do you mean to take him with you asked the camps rather replied fan and give him a good time into the bargain and where are you going to the carnival-mast ball nothing less now then tom my friend come along we've got a cab outside waiting by the hour as though fully appreciating the force of this argument tom trundled down the stairs four steps at a time followed by his friend the driver opened the cab door and Tom, under Fan's guidance, stepped in as if he had done nothing else all his life. My eye, that's a queer sort of fancy dress, said Cabby. Anyone might take him for a real bear. Where to, gentlemen? Odeon Theatre, said Fan. Ron, observed Tom. All right, said the cabman. Keep your temper. It's a good step from here but we shall get there all in good time half an hour later the cab drew up at the door of the theatre fan got down first paid the driver handed out tom took two tickets and passed in without exciting any special attention at the second turn they made round the crush room people began to follow fan The perfection with which the newcomer imitated the walk and movements of the animal whose skin he wore attracted the notice of some lovers of natural history. They pressed closer and closer, and anxious to find out whether he was equally clever in imitating the bear's voice, they began to pull his hairs and prick his ears. "'Ron!' said Tom. A murmur of admiration ran through the crowd. Nothing could be more lifelike. Fan led Tom to the buffet and offered him some little cakes to which he was very partial and which he proceeded to swallow with so admirable a pretense of voracity that the bystanders burst out laughing then the mentor poured out a tumbler full of water which tom took gingerly between his paws as he was accustomed to do whenever the camps did him the honour of permitting him to appear at the table and gulped down the contents at one draught enthusiasm knew no bounds indeed such was the delight and interest shown that when at length fan wished to leave the buffet he found they were hemmed in so dense a crowd that he felt nervous lest tom should think of clearing the road with claws and teeth so he promptly led his bear to a corner placed him with his back against the wall and told him to stay there till further orders as has been already mentioned this drill was quite familiar to tom and he was well-suited to his natural indolence, and when a harlequin offered his hat to complete the picture, he settled himself comfortably, gravely laying one great paw on his wooden gun. Do you happen to know, said Fan to the obliging harlequin, who you have lent your hat to? No, replied harlequin. You mean to say you don't guess? Not in the least. Come, take a good look at him from the grace of all his movements, from the manner in which he carries his head, slightly on one side, like Alexander the Great, from the admirable imitations of the bear's voice, you don't mean to say you don't recognize him. Upon my word, I don't. Audrey. Side note. A well-known actor of the time. Whispered Fan mysteriously. Audrey, in his costume, from... "'the bear and the pacha. "'Oh, but he acts a white bear, you know? "'Just so. "'That's why he has chosen a brown bear skin as a disguise. "'Ho, ho! "'You're a good one,' cried Harlequin. "Gran observed Tom. "'Well, now you mention it, I do recognize his voice. "'Really, I wonder it had not struck me before. "'Do ask him to disguise it better.' yes yes said fran moving towards the ballroom but it will never do to worry him however i'll try to persuade him to dance a minuet presently oh could you really he promised to do so just give a hint to your friends and try to prevent their teasing him all right tom made his way through the crowd whilst the disguised harlequin moved from one mask to another telling his news with warnings to be discreet, which were well received. Just then, too, the sounds of lively gallop were heard, and a general rush to the ballroom took place, Harlequin only pausing to murmur in Tom's ear, I know you, my fine mask. Ron, replied Tom. Ah, it's all very well to growl, but you'll dance a minuet, won't you, old fellow? tom waved his head up and down as his way was when any one asked him a question and harlequin satisfied aside with a silent consent ran off to find columbine and to dance the gallop meanwhile tom remained alone with the waiters motionless at his post but with longing eyes turned towards the counter on which the most tempting piles of cake were heaped on numerous dishes the waiters remarking that his rapt attention and pleased to tempt a customer, stretched out a dish. Tom extended his paw and gingerly took a cake, then a second, then a third. The waiters seemed never tired of offering, or Tom, of accepting these delicacies. And so, when the gallop ended and the dancers returned to the crush room, he had made short work of some dozens of little cakes. Harlequin had recruited a columbine and a shepherdess, and he introduced these ladies as partners of the promised minuet. With all the air of an old friend, he whispered a few words to Tom, who, in the best humors after so many cakes, replied with the most gracious growl. The harlequin, turning towards the gallery, announced that his lordship had much pleasure in complying with the universal request, and amidst loud applause, the shepherdess took one of Tom's paws, and the Columbine the other. Tom... For his part like an accomplished cavalier walked between his two partners glancing at them by turns with looks of some surprise and soon found himself with them in the middle of the pit of the theatre which was used as a ballroom all took their places some in the boxes others in the galleries the greater number forming a circle round the dancers the band struck up the minuet was tom's greatest triumph and fans masterpiece and with the very first step success was assured and went on increasing with each movement till at the last figure the applause became delirious tom was swept off in triumph to the stage with where the shepherdess removing her wreath of roses crowned him with it whilst the whole theatre resounded with the applause of the spectators tom leant over the front of the box with a grace all his own at the same time the strains of a fresh dance were heard and everyone hurried to secure partners except a few courtiers of the new star who hovered round in hope of extracting an order for the play from him. But Tom only replied to their broadest hints with his perpetual groan. By degrees this became rather monotonous, and gradually Tom's court dwindled away, people murmuring that, though his dancing prowess were certainly unrivaled, his conversation was trifle and insipid, and an hour later tom was alone so fleeting is public favour and now the hour of departure drew near the pit was thinning and the boxes empty and pale rays of morning light were glinting into the hall when the box opener who was going her rounds heard sounds of snoring proceeding from one of the stage boxes she opened the door and there was tom who tired out after his eventful night had fallen fast asleep on the floor. The box-opener stepped in and politely hinted that it was six o'clock and time to go home. "'Ron,' said Tom. "'I hear you,' said the box-opener. "'You're asleep, my good man, but you'll sleep better still in your own bed. "'Come, come. "'Your wife must be getting quite anxious. "'Upon my word, I don't believe he hears a word I say.' "'How heavily he sleeps!' And she shook him by the shoulder. Ron! All right, all right. This isn't a time to make believe. Besides, we all know you. There now, they're putting out the lights. Shall I send a cab for you? Ron! Come, come. The Odeon Theater isn't an inn. Come, be off. Oh, that's what you're after, is it? Fie, Monsieur Audrey, fie. I shall call the guard. The inspector hasn't gone to bed yet. Ah, indeed. You won't obey the rules? You are trying to beat me, are you? You would beat a woman and a former artiste to M. Audrey, would you? For shame. But we shall see. Here, help, police, inspector, help. What's the matter? Cried the fireman on duty. Help, screamed the box opener. Help! "'What's the matter?' asked the sergeant commanding the patrol. "'Oh, it's Old Mother What's-Her-Name,' shrieking for help in one of the stage boxes. "'Coming!' shouted the sergeant. "'This way, Mr. Sergeant, this way,' cried the box-opener. "'All right, my dear, here I am. But where are you?' "'Don't be afraid. There are no steps. Straight on this way. He's in the corner.' "'Oh, the rascal! He's as strong as a Turk!' "'Rawn!' said Tom. "'There! Do you hear him? "'Is that to be called a Christian language?' "'Come, come, my friend,' said the sergeant, "'who had at last managed to distinguish Tom in the faint twilight. "'We all know what it is to be young. "'No one likes a joke better than I do. "'But rules are rules, and the hour for going home has struck. "'So right about face, march, and quick step too. Ron. "'Very pretty. A first-rate imitation. "'But suppose we try something else now for a change. "'Come, old fellow, step out with good will. "'Ah, you won't. "'You're going to cut up rough, are you? "'Here, my man, lay hold and turn him out. "'He won't walk, sergeant. "'Well, what are the buttons of your muskets for? "'Come, a tap or two will do no harm. "'Ron!' "'Ron, Ron, go on, give it to him well. "'I say, sergeant,' said one of the men, "'it strikes me he's a real bear. "'I caught hold of him by the collar just now, "'and the skin seems to grow on the flesh. "'Oh, if he's a real bear, treat him with every consideration. "'His owner might claim damages. "'Go and fetch the fireman's lantern. "'Ron, here's the lantern,' said a man." "'Now then, throw some light on the prisoner.' "'The soldiers obeyed. "'It is certainly a real snout,' declared the sergeant. "'Goodness gracious me!' shrieked the box opener as she took to her heels. "'A real live bear! "'Well, yes, a real live bear. "'Let's see if he has any name or address on him and take him home. "'I expect he has strayed, "'and being of a social disposition came into the masked ball. "'Ron!' There, you see, he agrees. Hollow, explained one of the soldiers. What's the matter? He has a little bag hung round his neck. Open the bag. A card. Read the card. The soldier took it and read. My name is Tom. I live at number 109 rue Faubourg, St. Denis. I have five francs in my purse, two for a cab and three for whoever takes me home true enough there are five francs cried the sergeant now then two volunteers for escort duty here cried the guard in chorus don't all speak at once let the two seniors have the benefit of the job off with you my lads two of the municipal guards advanced towards tom slipped a rope round his neck and for precaution's sake gave it a twist or two round his snout tom offered no resistance the buttons of the musket's had made him as supple as a glove. When they were fifty yards from the theater, Bah! said one of the soldiers, Tis a fine morning. Suppose we don't take a cab. The walk will do him good. Besides, remarked the other, We should each have two and a half francs instead of only one and a half. Agreed. Half an hour later they stood at the door of 109. After some knocking, a very sleepy portress looked out. Look here, Mother Wide-Awake, said one of the guard. Here's one of your lodgers. Do you recognize him? Why, I should rather think so. It's Monsieur de Camp's bear. The same day, Audrey the actor received a bill for little cakes amounting to seven francs and a half. End of Section 1 of the Animal Storybook